0: Hey everybody just wanted to let you know that the following podcast is intended for adults only hello podcast world we want to thank you for tuning in to cages stages pages and rages Once again, what is up, everybody? This is Adam. I'm coming to you live with this UFC 251 recap. And I need to start off by saying, holy shit. Is it a great, wonderful, amazing, incredible, exciting time to be a UFC slash MMA fan? Yes! Because it was the first fight card on Yaz Island, as I already mentioned. Super exciting time to be a a fight fan. I am absolutely ecstatic about how much fight content we have to consume. Uh, I would rather have way too much content than no content at all. My second takeaway is I have officially committed to my stance on having no crowd. My third takeaway, which will be the final one before we get into the actual fight recap, is when I say there's something wrong with the scoring, I feel like that's a true statement. And uh, I think it's unfair to just automatically say that all these fighters have been robbed and also all these judges suck. They don't suck. The system sucks. Let's get into the fight card. In case you're wondering, I am referring to UFC 251, which happened on July 11th, 2020. So we're going to kind of go from the beginning of the fight card, and then chronologically, we will work our way up to the main event. First of all, Vulcan Ozdemir, veteran fighter, versus Yuri Prohaska, which is a name I feel like you should remember, because I feel like the future is so bright for this man. Also, if some way we can get John Jones to get his shit together, I would love to see this man eventually fight John Jones. Not only did he get, for my money, the knockout of the night, he's also batshit crazy. (laughs) All of the pay-per-views, all of the fight cards, put Yuri Prohaska on everything. Once we get past the prelims, we get into the main card. Now, I have to be honest. We all knew that this main card was going to have some fireworks, that it was an amazing card just on paper. Incredible. Even if you skipped watching the early prelims, you skipped watching the prelims, even if you skipped watching the first two fights on the main card and only watched the title fights, you could still make an argument this is one of the best fight cards of all of the times. Yay! The first fight on the card was Amanda Hibas versus Paige Van Sant, also known as PVZ. I was excited for this fight because I felt like I was rooting for both of these women to win because they both have their own career paths. They both uh, had something to prove. You had Hibas, who was fighting one weight class up, who wanted to prove. She is one of the upcoming stars. You had PVZ, who still wanted to just prove that she could fight and maybe had PBZ won, she would have had an argument maybe to not get a new contract from UFC, but that would increase her value as she tests the free agency market. Amanda Hibas submits PBZ with an amazingly timed and also executed arm bar in the very first round. So, I wish PBZ the best of luck. I I hope she does go to Bellator so that way she can be in the same organization as her husband and maybe there's a way to market that. Um, I hope that her fighting career is not over. I do feel like it's over for the UFC, but also the real point is I feel like we're not so far away from seeing Amanda Hibas possibly being contention for a UFC title. Moving on to the next fight, Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas won this fight, which was awesome for her to get redemption. It was awesome for her to prove that she can overcome the onslaught of power, which is Jessica Andrade. Now, some people said that they disagree with the decision. I honestly have rewatched the fight at, at least twice. And I do firmly agree with the decision that Rose Namajunas won that fight. However, I will say Rose should feel very lucky that the fight was only three rounds. So what's tough for me is I feel like with the outcome of this fight, Rose has earned her shot at the title. I don't know how that fight goes with Zhang Weili because you can say okay, she started to get overpowered by Andrade. What will Zhang Weili do to her? But then you can also counter that argument with, look at Joanna versus Zhang. Fight of the year, by the way. Maybe Rose versus Zhang is a fight that just sounds weird when you say it out loud, looks weird on paper, but actually could turn out to be a phenomenal fight. So we'll see what happens. But overall, so happy for Rose. All right, folks, now we get into what some might call the meat of the card. Yes! This first title fight, which was Piotr Jan, I am not a uh, Russian expert, and also if you can punch a hole through people's faces, you should be allowed to be called whatever you want to. I'd be fine if he said, okay, it's spelled P-E-T-R, but actually you say it as Stephanie. Guess what? I'm calling you Stephanie Jan then. (laughs) But it was Piotr Jan versus the great Jose Aldo. I know it's spelled like Jose, but I've heard so many people say Jose for this particular athlete. I'm just going to go with that. This fight was for the vacant bantamweight title. I would argue that on most cards, this actually would be the main event. But this UFC card was so fucking stacked that this is not even the co-main event. It's the co-main event to the co-main event. The Coco main event, if you will. (laughs) It resulted in Piotr Jan being champ. But I feel like the fight that he needs to be in to really show if he is the real champ or not is with Aljo. Now, honestly, if I had to pick somebody, I'd go with Aljo. But I'm a huge Aljamain Sterling fan. But let's say that he makes it past Aljo. The fight that I really want to see him in is actually with Cody Garbrandt. Yay! His last knockout versus Asansao, I would vote as probably one of my favorite knockouts, not only of this year, but ever. Him versus Piotr Jan is a hell of a fight. Yes! If you want to see expert striking from one of the lighter weight classes, watch this fight. And honestly, when the fight started, I'm looking at Aldo going, holy shit, he's back. He has re-implemented the leg kicks and he's going for the liver shots and all this stuff. And you watch Piotr Jan just kind of take it. Got to be honest, I was rooting for Jose Aldo, not because I don't like Jan, but just because for, uh, for Aldo, I was one of the many people who believed that if he was able to win this championship, I feel like he cemented his place not only in the Hall of Fame, but we can honestly talk about him as not just being a goat from one division, but I think he's in the conversation for one of maybe the top five, top eight, top 10 goats in all of mixed martial arts. If you get rid of the last round when it was stopped, which was in the fifth round, the, uh, the previous four rounds, or at least the first three, very close fight, but also very fun fight to watch. These guys, they're trading strikes, and they seriously, they were always in striking distance. The entire fight, there were kicks and punches and also counter punches and just all these things. It was a really fun fight to watch. What happens to Jan? He goes on to fight Aljo, but for right now, He's the bantamweight champ. So hats off to him. All right, folks, we get to what was not only my most anticipated fight of the entire fight card, but also the one that I wanted to talk about the most. And it's not the main event. We're almost there, but it's the co-main event for the UFC featherweight title. And it was Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus Max Blessed Holloway. Now, here's a little bit of context for you. I can tell you right off the bat, Alexander Volkanovsky did win by split decision. Now, I say split decision. That's important because we're going to get into it. But I'm just going to give you the result, okay? Now, we're going to dive into it, okay? We're going to Tarantino this bitch, right? We're going to go through context. It might be out of order, but we're going to actually discuss the fight as a whole. Yes! I feel like Max did win this fight, and even though he technically lost this fight on the fight cards, I think he further cemented his place as what I believe to be the greatest featherweight fighter in the world, even though he doesn't have the title. And as Chael Sonnen perfectly said, the best featherweight fighter in the world happens to be somebody who is not the champion. So you have the first fight between these two, okay? Okay. I re-watched the first fight, and I think there's very little argument you can make to say that Max won the first fight. I mean, technically, once again, Alexander Volkanovsky won that fight, but even I agree, being a biased fan, that he did. When you look at the leg kicks, when you look at the fact that he was being more offensively minded, it just seemed like he was in pursuit of Max the entire fight, and Max went from trying to be a counterpuncher to just reacting. So. First fight, hands down, I believe at least four, if not all five rounds of the first fight, they all go to Volko. Okay. Then we look at the second fight. I was very impressed with both of these fighters. I feel like the initial adjustment and the evolution of Max at the beginning of this fight was outstanding. First two rounds, those go to Max. Then I'm going to say the last two rounds, four and five, I feel like those wholeheartedly, they go to Alexander Volkanovsky. That's when he really turned it on. So in my mind, round three is the round that I feel like decided not what the judges scored, but when I made my determination that Max won. Now, as I said, you talk about making adjustments. I feel like Max made his adjustment prior to the fight and it worked for him. It was successful in the first two rounds. Then... The adjustment that Alexander Volkanovsky made, I feel like was actually during the fight because he came out rounds four and five and said, look, this guy is beating me in the striking game. And then when Max comes out and hits Alexander with a head kick, he was probably like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) I feel like Alexander Volkanovsky did what a smart fighter would do and honestly what a champion does, which is okay. It's time for me to go to a part of my game that I feel like Max can't compete with. So he instituted his wrestling, got some takedowns, and I feel like those takedowns by themselves give Alexander the upper hand for rounds four and five. When I look at round three, the first time that I watched this fight, live watching the fight, I had Max winning rounds one, two, and three, which then leaves Alexander winning rounds four and five, which based on simple math, that means Max wins three rounds to two. He gets the featherweight title. The Blessed Express keeps rolling. Then you have Volko who won the first fight. We got to do a trilogy, right? It's going to be the winner take all. Who's the better fighter? But when they said, and still, and by they I mean the excellent, the legendary Bruce Buffer, when he said, and still, my jaw dropped. Later, I look at the judges' official scorecards and they actually saw rounds one and two going to Max, rounds three and four going to Volkanovski, and the judges apparently, they were split on who won round five. I'm not an MMA judge, okay? So I am not going to begin to say that I'm more qualified than them, but this is where at first I thought, oh, it's a judging problem. As I previously stated though, no. No. It's the system. The overall fact that we've taken a boxing system and we have injected it into a style of fighting that is not only boxing, is re fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so the judges and their interpretation leads to round five being split, 48-47. Two judges say it's 48-47 going to Alexander Volkanovsky. One says it's 48-47 going to Max. Alexander Volkanovsky wins three rounds to two on the judges' scorecard. Now, as I said, I will reiterate on my scorecard, but also on so many other people's scorecards. I'm not going to name all of the various people because they are some of the famed analysts. They are some of the former fighters, but it's also just the public. Just go on to Twitter and just see the reaction. Even though the fight was an excellent fight and very close, it should still have the right guy winning, which should be Max Holloway the following advertisement is not real it is for a fake product from a fake company enjoy yeah. Have you ever had mosquitoes that bite you? Doesn't that suck? I know, right? Mosquito repellent fuck up your skin and make you smell real bad. Stupid ass candles and oil wigs just don't cut it. Try mosquito flamethrowers. Help wipe out the species one flame at a time. This is Mosquito Destroying Flamethrowers. Don't actually exist. Get a real flamethrower and just destroy all of the mosquitoes that you can. Brought to you by this podcast. All right, folks, we've made it to the last portion of this segment. Also, the main event, we have Kamaru, the Nigerian Nightmare Usman versus Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Yes! Once again, I will tell you the result if you don't know it, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of dissect how we got there. But Usman won this fight. It was by unanimous decision. I feel like no one, including Jorge Masvidal, can really dispute that. If you just look at the overall fight, Usman outright won this fight. I feel like there were some people that saw this fight going differently. This fight honestly played out how I thought it was going to. Now, we can get into if you feel if it's boring or not later, but just right now, I wasn't honestly surprised that Usman won this fight. I felt like for Masvidal to have a chance, of course the fight has to stay on the feet because that's where Masvidal, he's probably the best boxer in all of MMA, certainly one of the most exciting to watch. But if you get into a striking match with him, well, that's how he went from being a 500 fighter to absolutely resurrecting his career to what he calls quote unquote baptizing people. Yes! Like just look at the Ben Askren knockout. He is fascinating to watch, but also extremely gifted and talented. So I knew going into the fight, as most people did, this was the classic, okay, we have a striker versus a wrestler. Now, can Usman stand up and strike? Yeah. And if you don't believe me, watch the fight versus Colby Covington, which was basically 100% striking, also to which Usman won by stoppage. So he can strike. Is he on Masvidal's level, though? No. But also, Usman knows that, which is why he implemented the clinch and his wrestling to exquisite perfection. Yes! If someone asked me if this was the most exciting main event, I would say no. However, was it dominant? I would say yeah. Also, from a fighting perspective, was it intelligent and also masterfully executed by Usman? Absolutely. Now... When this fight starts, the stance switching was impeccable by both fighters. And honestly, if you watch that first round, I believe it was Michael Bisping, or maybe I don't know who said it, but they called it the adrenaline dump, which is what it was. You had Jorge Masvidal, who knew the best way to win this fight was by knockout. And he was going for it, man. That first round, um, especially, He was in it to win it, and I was amazed not only by how aggressively he was able to land his strikes, but also by Usman's chin. Usually the first thing they bring up is his outstanding wrestling, also his cardio, but no one talks about his durability, man. That dude has a fucking chin. Masvidal, though, obviously starts to win the stand-up battle. So, of course, Usman, what does he do? He constantly starts to shoot and go for the wrestling takedown. But this is a part that I know people had mentioned, but I guess I had just missed that part. But I was so impressed with not only Masvidal's takedown defense, but also how quickly he was able to get back up. Yes! As I said, not the most exciting fight, but Usman, he had the perfect game plan. He starts to go to this game plan of, I'm going to start each round on the feet by necessity. But as Masvidal's stamina started to decrease, Usman... He has stamina for days. He could still be fighting right now. He could go 50 rounds and not get tired, but he would have this game plan where he would either shoot for the takedown or, or he would go to the clinch. And in both of those positions, once Masvidal's takedown defense actually started to decline and Usman did get successful takedowns, Usman was in total control. So from the clinch, he would be hitting him with his shoulders. He would be hitting him with body shots. He would be stomping the shit out of his feet if he was on the ground he'd be doing the same thing. So I would love to see a rematch for this. Yay! And actually, Masvidal, you even heard him kind of say it at the end of the fight. He tells Usman that he's going to get one or two more victories and then let's run it back, which I feel like is what needs to happen. And there's so many fights that I would love to see. So uh, depending on how long it takes Burns to kind of recover from COVID, we'll see when that happens. That's going to be an excellent fight. Yes! While you have Usman and Burns, that is just kind of waiting. You need to figure it out between Covington, Masvidal, and Leon Edwards. Usman has now tied the overall consensus goat of all goats. And in my opinion, I agree with that. George St. Pierre. Yay! With 12 consecutive wins in the welterweight division. Overall, Usman is 17 and one. So here's my final point from this whole fight. Guys, and girls, can we finally just say that Usman is one of the best fighters in all of MMA today? I realize he's not the most exciting. He isn't the most flashy, but he's dominant. And if someone asks me to rank the top 10 most exciting fighters, honestly, is Usman on my list? No. But if someone just asks me to rank the most effective or just the best fighters, In the fight game today, Usman's in my top five, maybe even top three because he's just that good. Overall, that was the entire fight card. On a side note, before we switch segments, I just want to say also one benefit of not having the crowd is to not only hear and also see the coaching in between rounds, but also during the fight. I've always known that Pat Barry, who is Rose Namajunas' coach, also one of the best kickboxers in the world, but also Rose's fiance. I've always liked him. And what he's had to say just in general seems like a really cool dude, seems extremely charismatic. The way that he treated and coached Rose is one of the best examples of how coaching should be done, in my own opinion, that I've ever seen. Yes! Because he wasn't constantly trying to direct her while she was fighting. He also wasn't being overly negative. He also wasn't being overly critical. He was just constantly supporting her – with praise and encouragement, but it also wasn't unrealistic. He wasn't saying things like, oh, wow, you're evading her punches really well, because as we talked about, she got the left side of her face absolutely destroyed. But he was finding the things that Rose did well, and he was constantly praising her for that so that he could build her confidence. Now, will every fighter respond well to that? No. There are some fighters where you need to push them, and maybe you do need to be overly critical. My point is Pat Barry knows his fighter. Now, does it help that he knows her outside of the octagon? Sure, but I still think that it just shows that if you know your fighter or your player or whoever, this is a life lesson. If you know who you're dealing with, you should react to that. off to everybody, not only just the victorious fighters, but also much respect to the people who lost on the scorecards, much respect to Jose Aldo, much respect to Max Holloway, and also much respect to Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. In episode zero, I said I was going to list my fights of the year, but if you've been listening to this whole segment, you know I've been talking for way too long, so not this time but also maybe not next time because next time going to be a recap of ESPN fight night. So I don't know exactly when, but sometime soon the cages segment will be all about my personal picks for fights of the year. And I cannot wait to further talk about more UFC news with you next time.